Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month and you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away. All for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Whenever you speak to Quentin Fortune, what you're guaranteed to get is his joy at a life spent in football oozing out of him, which is why we chose him to begin this new season of The Big Interview. We start with nightmarish surroundings in the Cape Town flats, but then move to London, where working around Terry Venables, Guy Lineker, but particularly Paul Gascoigne, was like having Christmas every day. This same man feared for his football life when making his debut for Atletico Madrid against Barcelona and the original, brilliant, Brazilian Ronaldo. A good raconteur and soon to be a coach playing attractive Pep Guardiola-style football. His licences are ticking off one by one. Quinton Fortune is a terrific and entertaining way to begin a new season of the big interview. Sit back and listen to my friend while the joy oozes out. God, the new season's here. Season four, the big interview. Manchester, we're with Bafana, Bafana legend, Atleti star, Manchester United star, friend, Quinton Fortune. Mr. Fortune. Graham, good to see you, amigo. Good morning, man. Good to, good see, to see you, amigo, too. Good to see you, maestro. Hablas muy bien en español. Muchísimo gracias. The last time we saw each other, we were sharing a television studio, mm. and to make a point about something you were watching... You were talking about experiences at uh, Manchester United and the Champions League. So, I want to take you back to a specific date. Mm-hmm. The date is Wednesday 25th February 2004. The background is that Manchester United are in Europe. I'll let you name the club. Yeah, Porto. Porto, correct. And something extraordinarily special is about to happen, mm-hmm. given that the man... Who currently manages Manchester United was the opposition coach that mm-hmm. night. But if we put a micro mm-hmm. rather than a macro in the game and we hone in on a little battle that a previous guest of ours was talking us through, mm-hmm. Benny McCarthy was saying that he obviously wanted to star that night. Yeah. He was a bit of a Manchester United fan growing yeah. up. But he told us that from minute 14, yeah. he was running around the pitch with a phrase going around in his head, I can't let him knock me out, I can't let him knock me out, <laughs> he scored, I've got to score. Put the flesh on the bones of what I'm talking yeah. about, because you know what I'm talking about. 
Well, that game, wow, uh, that's a heartbreaking game. Well, it's a special game because I was even saying the pitch with Benny and, and, and when we walked out and game starts and I'm just remembering the, the, the first time me and Benny would play against each other, we were 10, I think under 10s or under 12s and we're in the Cape Flats. So that image of me looking at Benny, we're looking at each other on the pitch was like, we're looking at each other now and we're in the Champions League. This is unreal. Two kids from Cape Flats playing for Porto Manchester United. This is beyond your craziest dreams and uh, I don't know how I scored. I think it was a free kick. Um, it was a rebound and then I just tapped it in with my left foot. Great start for us and then Benny just took over but I told him before the game that that's how that's how good Benny is in there and um, it was uh, it was great to see Benny score but at the same time of course I want to win yeah fantastic night for Benny but um, for both of us because we scored but unfortunately we didn't win so to, to make the night when Porto at home mm-hmm. beat Manchester United make sense to people when you called it unbelievable and something of a dream I suppose you have to describe seeing Benny for the first time and you have to tell people what the Cape Flats mean oh my goodness when the Cape Flats is you got gangs first of all when you think of Cape Flats you think of crime you think of violence drugs it's a nightmare for any kid to grow up in certain areas it's a nightmare so for us to come out of that it's well not just to, to, to get to play in the Champions League against mm-hmm. each other for Porto Manchester United but I know both of you and here you are you know successful clean cut a dad friendly, teetotal, um, happy man. You know, if you hadn't told that story mm-hmm. and I presented you to somebody, they wouldn't believe mm-hmm. that you grew up in something you've described as a nightmare area. Yeah. That- I was, in terms of the the sports side, for me it was like I was, I thought about this before I come to speak to you. In terms of the sports side, that for me was like heaven because I love football. Our flat was here and the stadium was right there. There's a football field, football field, football field. So for me, it was like Christmas. Well, why were there all those facilities? On the desk here, you said that there's a stadium and then pitches, football yeah. fields surrounding it. Yeah. Who built them? Were they mud? Were they real? Were they grass? They were grass. First of all, the, I couldn't believe it. We had to make because obviously the weather was amazing. They were grass. The council built them. And I remember as a kid, there was not a day that I wasn't on the football field. I got to school. On my way to school, I was already preparing what I'm going to do. First break, second break in, on the pitch. Uh, the school I went to was a predominantly African school. So they only played rugby. Rugby, yeah. Which was like... Some cricket too? Uh, no, just rugby. It was a, So that, that's why my language is Afrikaans. And then I told my mum, look, I played my first rugby game. Didn't enjoy it. I said, my mum, I, I can't do this. And bless my mum. She just took me out of the school. Put on me, on what know. basis? Why did she listen to you? Because she knows how crazy I was about football. They knew, they knew I was absolutely mad about football. Every time they looked for me, there was out in the football field or somewhere around the area where I was playing football. And, well, she saw already from... I think my parents already saw it from a young age because I started to leave home at nine. I was playing for my provincial team and we travelled. And then, um, yeah, they, that's, I started travelling really early and they knew I was, I was in love with the game. They must have seen some talent. They must have believed that you had some talent as well. But wh- mm-hmm. when they changed schools on the basis mm-hmm. of your love of football, yeah. in theory, if, you know, in quotes, 
were they changing you to a lesser school? The school you were in? No, it was, was it? it was the school. Actually, they changed me to Graham. Was yes, like I said, the stadium was here. It was just opposite the stadium, so it worked out perfectly for me. The only reason I wanted to go to that school, it's because they played football. It's okay, yeah. And it's nearer. So it worked out perfect. And we had um, the football pitch there was sand. It was the best. Every footballer who gets taken away from their parents is a real struggle about how quickly mm-hmm. to mature, who do you follow, who do you listen yep. to. In your instance, you know, although it was truncated, it was shorter than it should have been. Mm-hmm. What did that formative experience in London at Spurs do to you? Secondly, if, if I can jump back yep. a little bit, everybody listening to us now, hello socios, like stories. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're, they're passionate about football, but they're passionate about people. Mm-hmm. The great privilege that you can do, that all our guests can do, is take them there. Mm-hmm. So when you arrive at Spurs, try and describe the atmosphere, the leaders, the people who impressed you, and mm-hmm. who took time with you, and try and bring the listener into that moment. It's, it's crazy, Graham, because one moment I was running around in the Cape Flats, playing for my local team and provincial team the next moment I'm sitting on a plane trying to open the window <laughs> no really trying to open a window thinking nothing works <laughs> and then arriving in London the first this is your first time out of the country right? first time first time in a plane first time in a plane mm. and then uh, first time out of the country and uh, arriving in London just remember the strong accent of the taxi driver on from Heathrow Airport to where do we go we stayed in Balzai's Park that's the first area I remember we stayed in and then going to Mill Mill Hill Training Ground and meeting Terry Venables. Amazing man. He is. Unbelievable. He was so good to me. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And then seeing Gaza and, and Garolinica and Paul Stewart and all these guys, it was just, it was wow. Venables was what, just friendly? Or you couldn't believe the manager turned out to welcome a 14-year-old kid or what? Both. Um, I arrived at 14. Um, I'm training with my age group. And then he calls me over to come and train with the first team. Now, this is just like, come on, what's going on here? Um, the way he treated me, spoke to me, and just gave me that confidence because I'm in a complete different planet from where I come from. English is not my first language, so I'm trying to listen to every single word and, and understand it. Are you struggling a little bit? Yeah, because it's Afrikaans, and, and we the way we speak Afrikaans in the Cape Flats is <laughs> it's terribly shocking. So the only English I knew was from... Obviously going to school a little bit, but couldn't speak it properly, and watching TV. So expressing yourself is a little bit hard? Yeah, well, the way I, only way I could express myself was at the football pitch. And then um, it was just, it was amazing every day, because every day I go to training, you see Gazza doing something else, he's cutting up someone's training kit, he's driving the milk buggy around, um, splashing through the puddle or something. Someone's car will be parked in a different place, uh, in a canteen. It was just, it was like Christmas being around him. It was absolutely brilliant. And um, I remember one game at, at the White Hart Lane, it was in the reception area. He came out to the reception, because so, we normally used to clean the change rooms. And uh, he saw this kid with the ball, and he stood near the uh, reception area with his glass behind him. And he said, The kid, obviously, the kid decided this gazer on my head. The kid, like, oh, excited. Froze or froze it, and he walks away, smashed the window behind him. He just, he just really wow, but brilliant because you could see the kid's face just light up like, oh, that's going. 
has got a ball in his hand he wants me to throw it to him wow <laughs> it's just walks <awesome. laughs> Steve Archibald bless him I went to training once and I was my own there there wasn't many players training and he came and he took me uh, we did the warm up together and he just took his time out and this is the great Steve Archibald for me yeah you, you don't need to convince me another guest in this series Aberdeen league winner and your fellow uh, La Liga yeah. analysis expert in, in Barcelona when we worked together that for me meant so much because he someone just, just took the time to uh-huh. speak to me we did a warm up together I was watching him I was like wow wow did, did people understand the language thing did, did they just think you were shy I don't know if they what they thought but I think the what the football just took care of everything because when I arrived there Graham the guy who took me over um, Colin Gee we had like a bad experience at the end but he trained me so hard before I arrived in England so I was probably in better shape than most kids my, my age group so I trained three times a day before, for three, four months before I arrived in England so it's because I had to make sure or he had he made sure that I was physically prepared better than any other kid that I was going to face um, at the level because you just can't come in and be normally you have to be out of this world and, and have to try and be as better as kids on it skill wise mental wise and we had to cover all the bases so when I arrived here I was like strong you know well prepared when they called you to train with the first team you could hold your own you could I was so, so excited so I was just playing and just getting on with it and the players enjoyed it but this for me was no different because that's what I grew up in the Cape, in the Cape Flats my brothers were playing and I was the kid sitting on the side and they would say come on join in because I would be there every day like <laughs> go and get the balls no and chance. okay just let him join in and at the end I just joined in for me that gave me a lot of experience so obviously I was excited because this is another this is another level being involved with Terry Venables and Gaza and all the first team plays at, at, uh, at Tottenham but that's what I was doing as a kid anyway so I would have been throwing in at the, at the deep end with the with the senior players so tell me what you try to do in training because you don't have their experience mm-hmm. usually like however strong or quick you are, mm-hmm. street wisdom separates a senior yeah, player and a yeah. junior pro. So if you said to yourself, whichever day you happen to be called into the big training, the senior training, and you're a little bit younger and you don't have professional football under your belt, mm-hmm. what did you try to achieve or what did you try to avoid doing? What was yeah. your mentality? My mentality was to play. I wasn't. There was no fear or anything. Or it was just like, wow, go and play. So I would just do all the stuff I knew. I, I couldn't think. I wasn't thinking it. I was just like, the ball come to me, do something. Uh, what I would do when I was playing with the kids over there or, or my age group or what I, what I was doing in Cape Town. Take a man on, back heel, a bit of skill. And that's how they got to just encourage me. And I, I really enjoyed my time at Tottenham because they saw what I had and they just like, they encouraged that. And Tottenham always wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, they just encouraged me. Did any of the senior pros resent it if you tried a trick? or Not that I uh, knew about, um, but Terry Reynolds was always the one, like, you know, just banded around my shoulder, well done. And You're describing an, an environment, mm-hmm. which I don't think is all that normal. Yeah. Well, now, I think a quiet foreign kid comes, gets promoted ahead of his time, age 16, in the first mm-hmm. team training, just turns up and does his stuff, including a little trick yeah. if he wants to. And one of the senior pros doesn't give him a clatter just yeah. to say, "Listen, son, calm down." Which, you know, could have happened at United if you yeah. stepped out of line in the environment. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go on and, and understand. You're describing a very kind of 
an unusually easygoing yeah. atmosphere. I didn't, yeah. I, honestly, I probably had it from me from my age group or the kids just a year above me, but from the senior places, senior players that I can remember, I didn't have any problem. Um, I remember, yeah, Saul, Saul Campbell, they made, obviously made it the first team, and I was playing with them as well on a Saturday afternoon, and that was another a crazy experience. Ray Clemens was the was the manager, and he asked me to also be involved with the with the reserves. And I mean, as a fourteen year old, this is like, what's going on? This is crazy. But I was enjoying every every single moment of it. coming to the training ground and um, the great Bill Nichols sitting in his car, coming to speak to me. And I remember this word so clearly because I remember there's a moment at the end of the game, and it was at the edge of the box, and I was should have just put my foot through it. And I tried to chip the goalie, trying to be cute and trying to be clever and I just remember his words you have to be more ruthless and this is the great Bell Nichols I mean double winner come on he's giving me this advice I'm a, I'm a kid here like wow so the first the first week I trained with the first team mm-hmm. or we, that session he let me train with, with, the, with the first team a week later talk about putting pressure on a 14 year old kid I'm the front page of the Sunday's paper the first million pound kid so now every game I play for Tottenham mm-hmm. everyone is there yeah so us, your genius. So us, who this boy genius is, uh, the future, whatever, being compared to this and that. I'm, and I just like, all I was doing, I just wanted to play football. Did and you like that at the time when, when no, you, you... No, I didn't. Earned that publicity? No. My agent, the guy who brought me over, with him, he was like, <laughs> this is fun, this is brilliant. But for me, I was just like, I just want to play because now you go back to the changing room, mm-hmm. like you mentioned the players, how you think you... You big time, Charlie. Oh, you got an agent. Because that time, I can afford a 14-year-old to have an agent. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Look back now, you know, after your career, what, what did Spurs teach you that, that lasted with you throughout your career? 
I remember the words from Terry Venables. These are the stuff I take away. Practice made permanent. Yeah. I always remember him saying that practice made permanent. The coaches I had was fantastic. Uh, Pat Holland, Keith Waldron. I need to remember my under 14 coach, Peter something. He was. Um, these were all people that were just Ray Clemens encouraging me to, to Not express. Not Peter Shreves, no. No, I no Peter Shrews was there. He was, a, he's, uh, he was more up uh, with the senior team, but yeah. um, but they were all were brilliant. Ted Buxton, amazing. Paul Gascoigne, they were just encouraging me because when they saw what I was doing in games and training, they would just continue to keep doing what you're doing. The dream was when I got the taste of playing for Tottenham, I want to be here, I want to be part of the first team, I want to uh, clean the changing room, you want to go through that and grow up with your teammates and make that next step, which is in the first team. Um, staying in digs. Tottenham just encouraged that. So many good players at Tottenham at that time. You can go through the, the Saul Campbell, obviously, it was uh, well known. There was uh, Stephen Carr, later, obviously, calling Freddie, uh, Danny Hill, Jeffrey Minton, fantastic players. Darren Caskey. You can go through the whole team. There was so, so much talent in there. Tottenham always wanted to play, which shooted me right down to the ground. So, yeah. And and it doesn't work out, you know. It's it's a disappointment. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out. Not anything to do with you or your talent mm-hmm. or your progression. Just you know, between Spurs and signing professional and Colin, etc. But it, it turns out nicely because eventually, even though you have to return to South Africa, which must have felt oh, not yet, so devastating. I, I haven't returned straight away to South Africa. So now I go to Chelsea. <laughs> go to Chelsea. <laughs> so I'm at Chelsea for eight nine months, and Glenn Oddle's the manager. Oh my goodness, Graham Ricks uh, was the youth team coach then. Amazing experience. So I trained with the first team a couple of times with who were they? Frank Sinclair, Dennis Wise, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie. I mean, it's just Glenn Otto was. I know Glenn was amazing. Yeah. As a as a manager, as a coach, but at the same time, just to watch him demonstrate the exercises was just embarrassing. The balance, the the both feet. I mean, it's just. Outstanding. He could still do things that, uh, that his players couldn't do. I remember playing a game, actually a game with him. Uh, it was a friendly game, and he was playing in the same team. It was just like, wow. like pinging balls with both feet. It was just like, come on, what is going on here? But it's a great inspiration because that's what you want to be like. You want to be able to have the balance of being able to change the game with both feet when you have no problem. Um, so I spent eight, eight, nine months with at Chelsea. And they were trying to also get me a work permit that didn't work out. So then I went home to South Africa. Just simply the fact that because you didn't have international caps, because you were so yeah. young, the work permit couldn't be resolved. I think the work permit could have been sorted out at Tottenham, but I can't really go into details about the agent. But because Tottenham had everything prepared, they put me into school, they put me into digs. They the plan was to sign for Tottenham professional contract, and the professional contract was there on the table. And uh, unfortunately, the the agent at that time. He wanted something else, which was confusing to me because I was ready to sign. You had everything that you wanted. In oh, front of you. Yeah. I was ready. I learned my trade at Tottenham, um, grew up with the kids there, uh, stayed in digs, went to school. So I was ready now to make that next step and become a professional football player and try to fight to get into the first team. Mm. And unfortunately, he had other ideas, and then he had he was my guardian, and he's the one. Basically, I, I trust him. He was like a football a father, is, a father figure. It doesn't make it better for you, but football yeah. is full of these tales yeah. and these people and experiences. Unfortunately, well, he, he the wanted full of it. He wanted um, 
something else which I was still confused. I don't know if he wanted more money or something, but I just wanted to play. I wanted to play, but this that fight already started the day I left to Cape Town. So, yeah, I should have probably listened to my parents then. But yeah, because I just had this in my mind. He was the guy who gave me the opportunity, so I was like, I need to repay him back. Mm. And I believed in him and uh, every word he said. And when he said we're leaving, was like, wow, I was disappointed. But okay, he knows best. And once the work permit can be sorted at Chelsea, you do have to go home. Now, albeit that you're going to go on and have a successful career and an age where you still had it all in front of you, it must have felt pretty soul-destroying. It must have felt like a step backwards. Yeah, because it was, um, I was disappointed because in my mind when I left Cape Town, not saying to myself, but just in the back consciously thinking, I never want to go back. When this, when this opportunity came, Graham, I... Yeah, just so bad. I just wanted to get out of that area so desperately. So it wasn't just a competitive instinct of a good athlete yeah. that nobody ever wants to take a backward step. Yeah. So I, when I asked that question, I was thinking career-wise. Yeah. But there was much more weight in having to go home for you because yeah. of where you were going home yeah. to and I what you were going home to. Didn't want to go back there, even though I'm I'm I'm, I'm grateful and I'm proud of where I come from. But yeah. just the environment, the football environment, the football side of things was unbelievable I could not ask for better football mm-hmm. education where I come from because uh, a school I went to the football fields the, the the senior guys that played football that I looked up to on a Saturday afternoon when I used to go finish my football in the morning as a kid come home eat and then go to the football field right next to my door and go watch other senior players on a Sunday go to church come back from church and go watch football again mm-hmm. so that side of things it was amazing do you know, you've taken me to somewhere that we weren't, we didn't prepare to go to, but the first time I began to understand or become interested in South African football, I met Benny's agent, mm-hmm. um, Rob, with whom he's mm-hmm. had a different relationship than Colin. And, and he used to say to me, one of the problems in, in the centre of South African football, he said, potentially maybe black South African kids who've come up with a certain level of football education is that they think it's all about the show yeah. that a trick or making the crowd roar or, yeah. or applaud you is almost as important as a goal or a win oh, it's more some places more it's more yeah. which if you think about it is, is like Brazil gone wrong mm-hmm. because everybody wants to win yeah. and he would explain to me that if, if you get that as a mass feeling and people get taught that way that the show is greater than the result what you get is is basically nothing, and, and a nation going. But we we look, look at all this technique and these fantastic yeah. players, and why aren't we winning the Cup of Nations yeah. every couple of years? Or why don't we get to quarterfinals or semifinals of World Cups? It seemed to me that there was a mismatch in perception and reality. Yeah. Yeah. You you've never mentioned that once. You you had a brilliant upbringing. You were um, a player who wanted to go on to succeed to mm-hmm. win. Were you aware of those trends that I talked about and why didn't they affect you? Um, the show being above the result. Yeah, I, mean. I think where I grew up in the Cape Flats, um, more if, probably if you go more to Johannesburg and in certain areas in Cape Town, that's probably people will think of as a good thing. But where I grew up, it was about winning. Oh my goodness, every little game I played, Saturday or Sunday league, it was about winning at school. Yes, there was a trick now and then, a bit of skill, but it's about when you go into your first break or second break or you're finishing school after school, you put your bags there and you mm. will beat each other. 
That was, as you were describing that, your face changed. Oh my god! It went all it, instead it of the was, permanent smile. Yeah. It went all serious and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I remember my brother used to come pick me up and bless him. My my eldest brother Peter he used to come pick me up on a Friday night and take me to the stadium. And I used to watch one of my local heroes, Duncan Crowey. He plays for a team called Light Bodies. And there was that competition. So I was watching that on a Friday night as a kid standing there. I was like, what's he going to do tonight? And he played as a striker, but the way he carried himself, but a great finisher, good footballer. Um, I used to watch, obviously on TV at that time, Joe Musono. And these guys would do the tricks, but I wanted to win games. I want, And as a kid, I lost a lot of games. Oh my goodness, I used to come home and be so angry and I wanted to win. And every game we played, every single game, we played every day on the field. It was about winning. You, you take a step away from Q-Town and Kitdown Flats because you go to Spain. Let's leave Mallorca aside. Mm-hmm. I probably first got to know about you when you come into that Radiantic era, yep. I think yep. at least. Yep. And, you know, you famously... I can't, I can't say before Radiantic because I had so many managers before you, so I don't yeah. remember which one you were to yeah. um, Well, we're going to talk about the reason for that. Yeah. Because you had a first-hand experience of Jesus Hill. Yeah. One of the most, I mean, in a, in a pretty mental environment, Spanish football, he's right up there on the pantry. He's the elite <laughs> of absolute mental cases. Yeah. Tell us some stories about that era because you were in the same training environment as Cholo Simeone, who's vital to the club now. Yeah. You came into the club or you were at the club during an era when, you know, there were double winners. Um, Caminero, Vizcaíno. Caminero is just joined Malaga yeah. as a football director, but Caminero has been responsible for a lot of the signing. Mm-hmm. Kiko, I suppose, was at or around the club, yep. centre forward. Pantic would have been playing, Pantic, I guess. Yep. Tomic, Palnovic was the manager now of Chicago Fire. It was just an amazing time. Um, but, you know, with, uh, bless his soul, uh, with Jesus Gil, Mr. Jesus Gil, he was amazing to the players. Everyone, I know what you people saw from outside, but when he came to his players... Now, Quentin, it, I, don't, I don't make a habit of arguing with my guests. But I, I hear what you say, but for us... Okay, what about the bulls in the back garden? Oh, that was fantastic. He took us to... <laughs> no, he took, he took no, us, no, no. He took us to his home. I remember he invited all the players and uh, his son, Miguel Angel. This, where's the picture? He's still in charge of the club. Amazing man. Amazing human being. I... I owe so much to that man. He was amazing. But back to the back even, even sorting even sorting the deal out with United, he was hundred um, percent invited to his house, and then I just hear Fortuna, vamos, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you, why, why are you calling me? Look at all the players. They wanted me to do bulls. So there's a picture somewhere at home. I need to find it of me and Miguel Angel doing the bullfighting. So what? With the ba- not the proper bull. Let's put it there. It was a baby one, but I, I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't know. So you have, you have a cape. I have a cape, Miguel. I've st- one side of the cape, and Miguel Angel Gil is as old on the other side, and we're doing the the whole day, and they doing the whole day. I just want to get back to the wherever I was sitting. But and it um, might have been not a full size bull, or it might only be a young bull. But could I, it have knocked you over? I wanted to be out of Graham. I wanted to. Oh my goodness! Please get me away from this. But uh, we did one or two, and then I said thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, President. Yeah, I'm out of here. Really enjoyed, it, but amazing. I mean, the president was. He was a guy who was jailed. He's now not alive. Mm-hmm. Effectively, you can tell it as it is. He was amazing. He used to come in with a bag and say, uh, this is yours. <laughs> Go and win this game. And it contained cash. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But that, if you want to give your own players cash yeah. to win a game, that's... It was brilliant. It was 
amazing. Like for me as a kid, I was like, what is this? I'm traveling home with pesetas thinking, oh, what am I going to Cape Town with pesetas and all this money? It's just, it's unbelievable. But he was great with the players. Describe him, because a lot of people uh, who aren't my age are uh, yeah. a lot younger than you, so Neil, but he was just, describe him, because he's yeah. a big... Larger than life figure. Larger than life, sure. Like nothing phased him, like when he... Like, like the guy was, was not scared of anyone or anything shirt medallion yeah. that here slick back yeah here. walking and be giving instructions like he was in control of everything and when he came to his players no one can say anything about his team Atleti Vare was was his, was his baby when he came to his players making sure everyone you okay yeah you okay yeah, yeah. brilliant so irrespective of, of what kind of Scoundrel you are! If you treat your players well, you oh, the, the, the players would fight. That's why you see Simeone fighting. Is that spirit? Is that fight till the end for him? It was it was amazing to did, the players. Did Simeone stand out even then in, in training or whenever oh, yeah. you you know shared time with him? Because you were still developing. Yeah. you were still a young player. Simeone stood out. Atleti and Atleti B. Simeone would have been a figure that I, I, I'd have thought was yeah. imposing at that time. Simeone stood out. Um, at that time, he was obviously as a player, so the player head on, very ruthless. Didn't give you anything in training. You know you get bite by him. But um, typical the way Simon is now as a manager, don't give anything, and you have to fight for it. But you could see a very clever player. After um, Camilleri was there, Kiko was outstanding. Kiko was Kiko was fantasy. Everything was it was, it was art to Kiko. Everything he did, the no look pass and. And Pantic, oh my goodness, Pantic. Um, Gorgeous, from the Balkans, from the former Yugoslavia. Yeah. Just seemed to pad about the pitch. Yeah. Like a sort of, some sort of jungle animal. It's Simple. Sort of not, never, studs never going into the ground. Yeah. Just doing this and that and giving Free it, making the Free kick specialist. Ball. Yeah. Free kick specialist. Um, the moment that stood for me out at Atletico Madrid was obviously making my debut when uh, against Barcelona and they had for me probably the closest player or the thing we're going to get to Pele was Ronaldo from Brazil mm-hmm. um, and, I, and, I, and I say this out in the open because I love Cristiano Ronaldo I love Messi Neymar Ronaldinho but this guy was describe the just describe the, the Ronaldo the Ronaldo days. You, like I just mentioned all those players you take Ronaldinho you take Messi you take Cristiano Ronaldo you take Neymar you put all those together and maybe you get Ronaldo and I, and I stand and I stand the generation now was like probably saying I'm crazy but the guy was just crazy it was unfair to the rest he could run with the ball he knew when he, sometimes you get players that are very quick mm-hmm. but they don't have the intelligence mm-hmm. he knew how to play in between the lines he could get it to feet he could do the step over if he needed if he wanted to but there was an end product he was ruthless oh my goodness I remember like I said to you when I did the TED talk I'm sitting on the bench and I was like, okay, I want to see what this Ronaldo is. And I just remember our fans killing him because he was going out with the blonde Brazilian girl then. Yes, it's Susanna Werner. Susanna. And I started to sing about Susanna and I'm thinking, ooh, don't get him back. Okay. Uh, so the first half finished and we down 3 0. <laughs> Ronaldo scored a hat trick. Hmm. He's angry. So uh, the second half starts and they had, this is, look at this team. They had uh, Figo, Pep Guardiola, Ivandra Peña. Oh my goodness. What a player. I remember yeah. Giovanni the Brazilian um, might have been there or Rivaldo but the, 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 obviously I just remember Ronaldo stood out to me and Figo and Antic calls me and he says Fortuna come and I'm like 
Your fortune in Spanish, fortune, eh? fortune. Okay. So, of course, this is this is my senior debut. I didn't get to do that Tottenham, so now I'm going to make my professional debut. This is against all the of all the teams in the world is Barcelona. Yeah, stood in the halfway line, excited to get on, and he goes to be a mocking Ronaldo. Talk about starting someone's career and finishing it at the same time. He should have just called me off then and said, like, you know, you might as well go and get changed because I think Ronaldo just finished your career. Gee, thanks, coach. Uh, thanks, manager. But, um, oh, my goodness. He played against Atletico Madrid that season. I think three times he scored nine goals. And I remember that season, that's the, that's the season he, uh, our right back, it was called Jelly. Correct. And he did the... The bit of skill where he takes it that when he brings it back, and I remember the next day in the Marca they had like clip for clip to see Je- just Jelly's facial expression, like, like where's he going? And but he was oh my goodness! It's hard to see him the way he's now because when he was playing, he was just. He he's always claimed that he was kept at an unnatural weight, particularly at PSV, where he's even skinnier than he was at Barcelona. Um, and it's best at Inter Milan. And and one of the things that it looked from a distance to me that he had was he, he was very powerful too. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. it, it wasn't just a sprint away from you. He would turn. Yeah. You, if you leaned into him, he'd push back. Everything great that you can imagine as a fo- for a footballer to have, the guy had. He also had amazing finishing power, right? When he got the opportunity, the angles were really good. I seem to remember he always kind of knew where a keeper might be unbalanced. Yep. Then a lot of the finishes were slid. Yeah. I mean, he had he had power if he, he could, wanted, yeah. sure. Yeah. And the step over, if you're one-on-one, oh, it's eight times out of ten, your keeper's going to lose that yeah. one. But he did snooker finishes, yeah. from my understanding, which means that you've got peripheral vision, but also you're timing about, wait till the keeper can't make a move there. And it yeah. looks as if the keeper's done nothing. Yeah. I think keepers must have hated him, not just because of being scored against all the time, but he made them look like statues. Yeah. When it was all about, like, if I go now, he, he's, he's on his left foot and I'll put it there and he yeah. can't move. But, the, you know, when you spoke about the, the, the skill level in terms of kids want, in South Africa, kids want to do entertain. He could do that bit of skill, but the, the, the thing that made him so special and the best was he does a skill, beat you, and he scores. Yeah. That's what we need to cut. It's the whole. It's the whole. The whole yeah, that's. He would leave you to death. Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.